Hello, Ikukui listeners. This is Ernesto, and I'm not on the show today. What? Yep, I'm at the San Diego Comedy Festival all week, but do not fret. We found an old episode, unreleased episode, with Ricky and Carlitos that you're going to hear today. Exclusive! So you are in good hands. And don't forget to check us out live at the Phoenix Fan Fusion, May 25th at 9 p.m. 9 p.m. Phoenix Fan Fusion. Check us out. We'll see you there. Enjoy. Bye. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Wikukui. This is Ricky Ariza, and today's special guest... Eligio Carlos Ramirez. Hi. Gotta break out, this, <laughs> gotta break out the accent for the Latinos, man. You gotta, you yeah. gotta, you gotta. So, hey, how are, how are, how are you? How's I'm, it going? I'm doing fine. <laughs> I'm doing very well. I like uh, these, these, these seats. It's very uh, Barbara Walters, Oprah, <laughs> Oprah kind of conversation. When I got... Uh, when I, when I bought my home, I told myself, I'm going to put aside a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. I'm going to buy respectable furniture. Yeah, this is nice. Yeah. So I went and, uh, I got mid-century. <laughs> uh, and I said, I'm going to, I'm going to have a look. Yeah. You said like uh, look. Damn it's right. Clean. It's very clean in here. I like it. Damn right. You mm. know why? Because I had to work very, very hard. <laughs> I have not had a Labor Day off. Right. In God knows how many years. <laughs> right. Either because of freelancing or we were, uh, mm-hmm. working in organizations that don't believe in that Mm -hmm. um so uh yeah yeah i'm enjoying my labor day i'm enjoying my uh my furniture and and the spoils of my efforts the spoils of your successes yeah you are successful young man right now right now life is a highway (laughs) i'll go it my way yes all day long (laughs) okay has some ups and downs so i'm usually anti Talking about Christmas and shit before it's too early. Like you got it. We got to get through Thanksgiving and all that first. Yeah. But Halloween is forever. Halloween, Halloween is life. And also, <laughs> like between life. September and the end of October until a Halloween season. Oh, let's face it, the beginning of November. Mm. There is so much that is happening. Yeah. So I mean, we can't cram it all in, and mm-hmm. so we're gonna just spread this puppy out. Yep. Take as much advantage as we can, mm-hmm. and have some fun. So I actually got really excited because we were throwing around ideas of what to do and you threw out yes. the grand guignol and i was like well somebody <laughs> picked up a book and, and, and somebody n- knows about some stuff that's not on the twitters and not on the instagrammies oh. <laughs> like i was i was shocked because i was shocked for a number of reasons because um i i studied this yeah. i studied it before uh i this is part of my part of my thesis project was uh so I got my master's in theater for youth and communities and just for the hell of it to kind of like have fun with the three years in grad school. I was like, you know what? I'm going to focus on something I find interesting, which is horror. And how is horror um, important in the psychological and emotional development of youth? Um, So I started just, yeah. So that was kind of like my focus, but one of the areas that I focused on and had focused on in like my undergrad too, was this idea of the grand guignol. So I could go on and on, but, 
I want to hear you talk about the Grand Guignol. So okay. What, so, so, so what drew you to? So it? we're gonna like we're we're gonna go back and forth in time on this one. Yeah. Because there are folks out here who have zero clue. Oh, what the fuck this is. If you are a university student who is studying film or theater, you better download this episode, honey, because it is chock full <laughs> of freaking history. Here's how I got into it. Okay. So uh, on my, uh, you go onto YouTube and uh, it'll suggest certain clips for you to look at, mm-hmm. and it suggested like something like um, it suggested. Uh, uh, feud Betty and Joan and I was yeah. like oh yeah that series that had like you know about Joan Crawford and Betty Davis yeah. and so it's uh, talks about uh, one of the things it talks about is their production of uh, whatever happened to baby Jane mm-hmm. and I thought oh that's kind of cool like whatever happened to baby Jane because I I've heard of it but I'd never really found out what it was I Wikipedia it and uh, apparently it's part of the subgenre of films called hagsploitation yeah totally which once totally. I heard, th- once I read that term, I was like, "My life is all about this." <laughs> <laughs> For the next thirty minutes, well, John my whole made the rest of her career hagsploitation. Yeah. I'm oh, I just love it. <laughs> like the, the psycho bitty. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I am all in. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, the wronged psycho bitty. And and so you know, you go down the rabbit hole. You learn about like you know exploitation films and like all these other different things. And sure enough, it has its roots in uh, Le Grand Guignol, mm-hmm. which was the theater the grotesque it seems you know and i I thought for what you had said i mean horror community theater it really was three strikes there you go it was uh yeah it um so it was kind of like a form of theater that that came out of necessity yeah well exploitation and necessity so like the original the original guys who started it was andre andre antoine and then oscar metanier which oscar metanier ended up being the one who took it full-fledged and like turned it into what it became but oscar used to work as a secretary for the commissioner of police in france so this is all in france um whatever the secretary would be so he would be taking notes of these crimes that were happening in the community and the the crimes were always really um the underbelly, the forgotten, the prostitutes, prostitutes and like gangsters, and drug dealers, and a, a lot of people with mental health issues, actually. Oh, yeah. So these were things that he was recording and they would bring to the theater and do it because Andre and them were working with Theater uh, Libre and Theater Libre uh, was really focused on doing naturalism. Like, mm-hmm. this is real life you're yeah. seeing on stage. And and I think the, the depictions as well as the violence, like, you know, yeah. it's, it's realistic. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so the, it just started getting pushed and pushed. And I know they eventually broke up, but Oscar kept doing his own thing. And yeah, like the whole thing was like, if we're going to show this violence, we're going to show it. Yeah. So it became this, um, thing that was happening in the underground. So you'd have, yeah. uh, these naturalistic plays that were about, uh, I think some of the storylines were like a you know a prostitute who got pregnant and she has an abortion, but you would see yeah. her have the abortion on stage, wow, like stuff like that, really? or people would get their eyes ripped out or throat yeah. slashed or they would become dismembered or thrown in a bat of acid. But it was when they started playing with uh, what we know as special effects now yeah. and how how do we immerse the audience in a way that is so jarring that they don't expect it. And, you know, and when you're, you're, you know, coming, you know, when you're in a time like that, when you're in the late 1800s, um, Victorian era, Victorian era, you know, you you know, this is like high tech technology and there's, um, so actually, um, I learned about it at Del Arte when Mm. I went to Del Arte, uh, for that year, because there were some people who were focusing on it because it was, um, a very old style of theater. 
And yeah, there's just like all these hidden tricks, like yeah. all these things that you do where you hide the blood packets, where yeah. you, yeah. So it and be, stuff that's like still used today. Yeah, I mean, like totally. the blood packets that that that's that's modern. That's every CSI show. That's every mm-hmm. crime uh, show that you see. That's still the same trick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, so this theater just blew up and it was and it was funny cuz it was a thing where the bourgeois would go see whatever was hot, so whatever yeah. opera, whatever classical, so you know, acceptable piece of theater yeah. before they'd go have dinner and get drunk and then go to the Guignol at night. Really? And the Guignol it was it's an old chapel. Mm-hmm. It's actually an old church that uh, was run by a a nunnery, I believe. Really? So like when you go into the theater there's all this woodwork and it's your, the theater, the audience is surrounded by these uh, carvings of angels staring down at them. Yeah. And it's very Gothic. And uh, so the fact that it, it used to be a, a church is a thing, yeah. the way it's lit, it was a thing. And yeah, the bourgeois would go and for lack of a better word, quote unquote, slum it with, with the real folk yeah. who to enjoy this. There was even, I can't remember who it was. It was the Kings a, and Queens, Kings would go and there. Queens. And there was a specific tradesman, a Chinese tradesman, who had um, uh, a bed, a bedroom in the back oh, of the that's theater? Right, because he would bring case, his mistress. Yes, and like if you were ever because like this was sort of like I mean it sounds to me like it was very much like the grindhouse theater of the day. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you know you want to see some like you know you want to see blood and boobs and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And apparently if there was some sort of like some red hot searing action that was happening on stage, yeah. well guess what? You had a bedroom. And the balcony. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you could... Uh, Take that, Club 54. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do, Cher? <laughs> oh, you did blow off Mickey Rourke's butt? Who cares? <laughs> There's some Chinese tradesmen getting it on inside the theater. That's, like <laughs> It's crazy to me. Yeah, it's crazy to it's me. It's intense. I mean, like, it, it's, uh, it, it's so... It, it, it's very exploitative, but it's so just like sensuous, like everything. It's just so base mm-hmm. and virile and visceral. And, you know, you think to yourself, I mean, wh- it, it, that what I took from it is this, I, this idea of just the visceral violence that you see in it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, that carries through. I mean, it, it, there's so many areas of just modern cinema or modern theater. Yes. Well, you see these sorts of things. I mean, um, for me, it sort of seemed to have its roots in, in Gothic horror. Yeah. Totally. Like it had the very similar themes, like, you know, uh, the wayfish damsel who, mm-hmm. you know, despite her, her uh feminine weakness right. that their concept not mine yeah, uh, no, no, you're was right. was able to overcome the the t- the terrible situations she found herself in yeah. you know and just those concepts of like um like gothic horror tropes like you know the maniac in the asylum or the haunted house right. or like body horror things of that nature they yeah. really kind of popped up into this uh, into this arena and they, they just turned it up to 11 yeah yeah and you see that and that that's sort of I don't want to say it's cyclical, but you see that in other areas. Like, uh, when the, uh, the classic Universal monster movies came out. Like, you had, like, Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, mm. the creature of the Black Lagoon. Uh, those came out, and those were inspired by gothic horror. And then you had, like, the Hammer Horror films, which took those concepts and really just went nuts with them. Like, uh, I can't even count how many times I've seen Vincent Price profess his soul to the devil. Right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) or like in House of Wax when, um, I forget the actress's name, but when she's, you know, she's beating on his chest and his, in his wax face cracks off and you're like, like the, just the, the cloistered, uh, the, the lives of people drawn into the cloistered, you know, and the forbidden. Right. Yeah. You see that just 
it pervades through like film history. It's really incredible to see where those influences come from. Yeah, yeah, and they and it was very methodical. Like um, even the the way that they planned out the night was methodical because um, they would call it was called hot and cold showers. Mm. So what it would be is you would be introduced with something very upbeat and body, maybe sexual in nature, but yeah. not horrific. And it was like a series of vignettes. Yeah. Um, and it was like, you know, a really funny one, a really, you know, everything was adult themed. It was not family oriented yeah. by any means, but it was something really funny, maybe a little sexy and then something horrific. Yeah. And then right after that, something really funny and, you know, so they would just, they would fuck with the audience yeah. just back and forth, back and forth. Well, I mean, that's every show. You every, know? Yeah. yeah. And, and they were saying that, oh, uh, I heard that almost every, uh, how was it? Um, a lot of people fainted or vomited at yeah. the shows. Oh yeah. But the one. But the the ones who fainted the most were men. Really? Because men tried to, it was playing that masculinity, like, I'm not going to cover my eyes during the scene. And they would witness something that was so horrific that they couldn't handle it. So (laughs) I just thought that was a funny piece of history. That's so funny. Some brick mason is watching this, like, "Ah, I'm too tough for, oh, pretty much. Break break out the fainting couch. And this I get from Wikipedia, like, apparently a a show wasn't successful unless you had at least two people faint. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, no, and we see, yeah, we see, um, but it's that, it's that really cool, it's just how they prep the the evening, right? It's how they prep the atmosphere, right? Yeah. Which is what my whole thing is with horror, like walking away from, from my, my studies of it and now trying to, wanting to implement it in, in real world stuff. Yeah. It's just because it, it's, it's, it's really, um, it's this entire plan. Like you really have to think out how your audience is even walking into the space, like how they're even approaching the building. Like what are they, what are they experiencing? You see that in the films, like the 1950s and sixties films. Um, what is his name? The director where it was like, you'd have the, oh, he the, did the, the buzzers in the scene. Yes, and, yes, yes, yes. What's his name? I don't know, but John Goodman played him in a movie. Yes, he did. Yes, I remember that one. It's so like, you know, 10 points. If you can comment on our, I always, I want to say Harryhausen. It's not Harryhausen. No, he uh, did the, he did, he did the, the stop motion. Right? Yeah. He did stop motion. Yeah. Um, Oh, this is going to kill me. And I will I'll, get back. I'll to post it. something. But up. that, that, that idea of like designing your environment for your entertainment, yeah. you know, that really is something like, what was it coming in and signing your death certificate or signing your, signing away your, not signing away, but, uh, but just saying like you know, liability your form. liability for yeah. 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 And then like, but the, the, in the fifties and sixties during the atomic era and, um, a lot, do these things, are these things kind of tied to like major, uh, like, uh, traumatic social, uh, events because i mean like in the 1950s and 60s we were living we were living the atomic age you know mm-hmm. there was a constant this constant fear of like you know uh nuclear fallout the bay of pigs all those sorts of things like you know the, the reds in cuba ha- you know then uh, the cuban missile crisis things of that nature and so in order to cope with those sorts of things back in the back in the 50s and 60s you would go to these thrilling um you know uh these these thrilling movie experiences where the theme was the wow. consequences of, of nuclear fallout. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm just trying to think like in those days, I mean, the Victorian era itself was pretty gritty from my understanding of it. I, I'm not a, I'm not a history major, right? but, um, but I mean, uh, like we, they talk about the, the Victorian freak show where people who had like, you know, terrible physical maladies were put mm-hmm. on display. And yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was just a really grim period in, 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 in the history, uh, yeah. or maybe this is in Europe, uh, in European history or whatnot, Jack the Ripper. Well, uh, I was just going to say that. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, Jack the Ripper was right around 18. This is 1887 with theater Libre. Jack the Ripper was in like the 1890s, 1889, I think actually. Yeah. And Ripper 
is known to be the first media sensationalized killer. Really? So they were already, and, and these were coming out in what were called Penny Dreadfuls. So they were like yeah. the, the National Enquirer, the gossip magazine. Yeah. And it was all about glorifying crime. And Jack the Ripper was one of the first to really be a name that was associated in this area. Um, I mean, he was in London. This was France, but still. Yeah, he gets around. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that was when that media boiling up was starting to happen. And a lot of that's what my that's my theory. Yeah. Because right around this time, too, Ripper disappears. And then all of a sudden, um, uh, H.H. Holmes murders happen Mm. here. And there's some timeline stuff. If you really sit and really? look at it, there, there are a lot of people who think, and I'm kind of, I think I'm on that boat, yeah. where I think H.H. H. Holmes, who murdered people out here in Chicago, I think it was Chicago. Really? Um, there's a timeline where murder stopped in Whitechapel and they and started here. here. Oh, and then my God. They, and, and, and the way that certain killings happened, that there was a, oh. a medical understanding. Did he hack up the prostitutes in Chicago? Well, too? in Chicago, like, he didn't do. He didn't. He didn't have the same mo that way out here. If you're believing H. H. Holmes is Jack the Ripper, he created um, a house called. It was like a, a motel. It was like a death motel. Oh my yeah, god! Where he would. He would. People would come in and and they wouldn't check they out. Wouldn't check out totally. <laughs> and this also this happened right around the time of the World's Fair. Yeah. So. Oh my god. So there were just tourists and and it, it was women yeah. usually because it was it was women, it was women who were coming to America that wanted a fresh new start and oh. just trusting anyone. Oh. So then that's that there, there's some there's an interesting documentary about it and then there's a great book uh, yeah. Devil in a White City. Which yeah. is about H. H. Holmes, which actually Scorsese is turning into a film wow. with, with DiCaprio as of course H. H. Holmes. Um, <laughs> Sorry, it's just you know, <laughs> it's obvious. Yeah, but let me know. Yeah, I'm like okay. Uh, the story's <laughs> why couldn't John Cho play it? I'm just saying that's another topic for another day. But you get what I'm coming from. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, anyways, yeah. But going back to that, like media sensationalizing of killers, like I feel like it started happening in the late 1800s. Yeah. So it just kind of it's like the Guignol happened at this like perfect time yeah. for them to just kind of profit off that yeah that scare and then yeah we're going into world war one and and like you're saying like yeah. horror um horror moves with the time horror comments on society at the yeah. time you we see the evolution of stuff from gothic horror um to things with as you mentioned the um the nuclear kind of yeah you know big bug kind of horror yes. films the fly stuff like that yeah uh zombies is a big thing yeah. you know um and when like even we can see it now and stuff like the purge which is very oh. much about the country turning against itself yeah and- i mean it, it and you see like uh, as i was looking at those things from like the, the those same concepts of like the grotesquery or whatnot like how those things pervaded because um and i uh, it's uh you know, you, you have these, um, I'm getting tongue tied, but <laughs> the, the concept of the grotesque, I mean, mm-hmm. like you see it, like it, it, it came back like in the nuclear sixties, it was around in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, you Rosemary's baby, that's really more Gothic horror, but mm-hmm. the con, but you know, you can still put it into that, into that pot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but all those different types of films, um, like Mondo documentary, that was one that threw me off. 
Um, Mon- oh, oh, Mon- I think oh, I know this. You, I know it, but yes. I haven't seen it. The one example that I can think of, the best example I can think of, oh my God, Cannibal Holocaust. Cannibal Holocaust. I oh, do that is, I mean, that whole thing is just about like, you the know. The first snuff. Not snuff, but the first uh, found footage. Yeah, the found footage What's style. considered, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, it was it was Blair Witch before there was Blair Witch. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it really like, was. Yeah. And you, and you have to like, you watch it and you're like, oh my God, you, you have to tell yourself like this is all fake yeah but yeah like um like things like monitor documentaries faces of death oh those, faces of death i remember those those are monitor documentaries crazy yeah, i i never saw them but my dad did and like he would always like say like he would watch them late at night yeah and, yeah. and he made he, when we were all asleep oh. and um so he was sort of like he was it was his guilty pleasure too where he's sort of like watching these horrible grotesque scenes that are being played out yeah um i mean i like to uh and uh it just kind of kept cycling through like hammer horror films um and you see those same kind of concepts of like blood exploitation uh misogyny a lot let's Tons. go ahead and call it Tons. um well i mean yeah, it's yeah. horror in of if, itself yeah. if those things didn't exist eli roth would not have a career <laughs> like him i mean those hostile films i mean the first one had guys in it so we were like okay it. there's some yeah. balance there there's a misandry yeah. but like the second one mm-hmm. poor heather matarazzo getting cut up by some lady who's like bathing in her blood yeah, that's right yeah so uh you know when everyone talks about like you know um torture porn films yeah. that's a very modern idea yeah grand guignol no, you know, totally. Is. Like, what totally is it? Is. There was one about like two ladies who in an insane asylum who find like a selfish little woman and then they blind her with a pair of scissors. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Hostel mm-hmm. 3. It's basically yeah, the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. Same thing. So, yeah, it's just like, you know, that idea that it, it's exploitation. It really it's it's exploitation and uh, it's exploitation theater that turned into like exploitation film with the new media. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's really just sort of like we we. We get up in arms when we see these sorts of things. Like torture porn itself had like it had had, uh, had a reaction. People mm-hmm. were like, "Oh, you know, this is disgusting. This is base. This is horrible. How can people do this sorts of thing?" And yeah. you're like, "Holy shit! This is not new. Right. This has like historic roots of yeah. people doing these sorts of things." So you know, um, whenever we get you know alarmed about certain things, we have to say to ourselves, "Oh, this is this is happening. Oh, it's happening again." Yeah. Like you know, it, it's it comes it's in, it comes new. out. Yeah, it's not new and it's not um, it's not isolated in the realm of uh, film. I mean, no. solely like uh, the whole entire decade of the Vietnam War, we were watching oh. nothing but but scenes from the battlefield. Yeah. And we were watching this grotesque Event. thing happening yeah. and nothing we could do about it. Images of the Holocaust. We watched this yeah. on me. And that was the thing is, I mean, eventually the Guignol um folded yeah uh and it folded like a hundred percent when the vietnam war hit when the vietnam war hit yeah it really was, it was a still a really small movement going like the end of the or in the late 60s yeah but even by then people were like this is corny because yeah. they were they, they had seen images of the holocaust they had yeah. seen images on of vietnam but even but even simpler than that yeah Wearing it, wearing it on my shirt right now. Like yeah. the film came out. Yeah. And when we saw the special effects and what could be done, yeah. watching Bella Lugosi play Dracula or, an, you know, that became much more fascinating than watching what were clearly stage tricks yeah. happening. People just started losing interest, but they still attended it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from what I had read, um, uh, it, that, uh, it it was doing it was doing fine yeah until world war 2 happened mm-hmm. and then when the holocaust was revealed it was sort of like people kind of lost their taste mm-hmm. for grotesquery 
having seen what human beings are truly capable of yeah. and how grotesque that is. And I thought that was really telling that, I mean, and, and you're the scholar, but, um, Florida. that, <laughs> but that idea that, you know, it's like, we don't want to see any more horror because now we know how very real it is. Right. And right. that was, it's, it's, it makes you set back like, you know, well, because we've come back to those areas. I mean, all saw six, yeah. how many sequels do you need for those movies? Tom. And they're grim. I mean, what would it take? We, We've already been exposed to the Holocaust. We've been exposed to Vietnam. We've been exposed to like, you know, on the news, there was uh, reports of sarin gas attacks against villagers in Syria and still watching them, still watching these horror movies. And I'm like, uh, it's, I I don't know if it desensitizes us or what, or if it's just that we, we, we are, are you, are you a horror fan? Not particularly. I did see Hereditary, and that was just well, good. Sure. Well, yeah. That was good filmmaking. No, no, totally. Uh, Rosemary's Baby was great filmmaking. Oh. Uh, what's her face? Uh, the the supporting the uh, the actress who played um oh god I I'm I'm spacing on her name, but uh the, the, not Mia Farrow. You're not not Mia Farrow. The woman who played like the 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 wife of the Castavet. Oh god, Castavetes. No, no, not, not Castavetes. It was Castavet. That was the name of the fam- oh, okay. of the couple of the elderly couple who Got were it. secretly. They were in the building. They were secretly machinating mas- uh, um, Rosemary's, um, you know, procreation with right, the devil, right. uh, the, the bringing of the Antichrist. But the actress, oh, God. <laughs> but she <laughs> won an Oscar. Win. She won the Academy Award for right. that role. And, yeah. you know, so. I, I love horror. Uh, I'm not crazy about torture kind of yeah. films or like uh, cannibalistic films, unless it's done well, like Raw. Raw was a cool film. I haven't seen it. Um, but have you seen Green Inferno? I haven't. I was like <laughs> that. That to me, I'm not. Uh, I'm giver. Uh, it's another Eli Roth movie. That's the thing. I'm yeah. not a crazy. I'm not a huge Eli Roth fan. I don't dislike him. Yeah. I think he does some cool. There's some interesting stuff. But at yeah. the same time, I'm like, man, I don't need to see Eli Roth. Yeah, Cabin <laughs> Fever. The first one was was yeah. It, it, that one took that was cool. That was Sundance, I think. Yeah. But yeah, that one took people by storm because they're like, oh, yeah. oh my, you know, like yeah. they we were we were going back into that arc of like a uh, of you know just visceral. Uh, grotesquery mm-hmm. and exploitation. Um, but, uh, then he did some other stuff like the hostile films and like, sure, and it was sort of like, uh, my, pers- my, my reception of that was sort of like gross. I don't want to, I don't want to watch people get murdered. I mean, there's no story yeah. to this. Yeah. Yeah. And- I, I tend to lean towards more supernatural, uh, stuff or things that have a supernatural element that mm-hmm. may have gore in it, but is, uh, but torture. I don't know. I'm on the fence with this, right? Because there's this whole uh, argument that I was trying to make <laughs> in grad school about the idea of the monster. Yeah. And we could sit here and say, like, the monster is um, the monster is us. The monster is inside of me. You know, yeah. there is this idea that the humans are the monster. Yeah. But there's something very, um, I don't know, kind of important for me in horror, in the horror that I like, that the monster is otherworldly. Mm. And if it does look like us, it's someone who's powerful in a way that is still otherworldly and i feel like michael myers stands that in the first film oh really for me yeah if we left the first film the way it is yeah ignore the whole franchise yeah and then now pick up with the sequel that's happening in october yeah he feels otherworldly to me because he goes through this thing he is yeah. a human person but then yeah. the last shot of that movie is he's gone yeah and it's just like fuck then there's there's something interesting in in that for me there's just in some of eli ross stuff it's uh like hostile when when we meet the rich killers at the yeah. end. You're like, fuck, people just suck. Like, people are yeah. just terrible. Like, even Purge. I'm like, people just suck. Why do I need to watch this? So, 
Yeah. I mean, you want to assign some sort of like higher level concept to yes. these sorts of things. But like, you know, I mean, what is it? Uh, Frankenstein's monster is a treatise on, you know, uh, man, a uh, man's not understanding, uh, what, of, of man not understanding the impact of science yeah. and, you know, and acting recklessly, mm-hmm. you know, without concern for what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, so there is a sort of concept of wisdom there, but yeah. I mean, like, you know, what's, what's the overarching theme behind, uh, of Hostel 2 or Hostel 1? For me, like those kind of films are, are kind of toxic sometimes because kinda. it, because it feels like this is the fear of, uh, America only. Yeah. Don't venture out to the world. Yeah. Right. Cause you're going to get killed. Yeah. Which I'm like, okay. But at the same time, is that toxic? Like, like there's this, there's this interesting conversations that, um, I've heard about the vilifying of, of specifically Latin countries sometimes, right? Like sometimes yes. we see these trends in films. Green Inferno takes place in South America. Right. Right. You know, like, oh, here are these, you know, privileged kids that are going to go help the people. And yeah. it turns out they end up becoming victims of yeah. it. Or, you know, even stepping away from horror, they're like, yep. Be sure not to go to Mexico because you're going to get murdered or yeah. not go to... Or you're going to go to the ruins and those smart plants are going to try to eat <laughs> you. <laughs> you know, so there's, there's some interesting conversations happening. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, but yeah, and, and, um, and listen... If you if you love the work of Eli Roth, if you love those types of films that are happening nowadays, no or the Saw films, I mean the first Saw. Saw was great. The first one. The was first great. one. Oh yeah, Sundance. It showed at Sundance. It was great. Um, but like, if you're one of those people who's just like, oh my god, it's so gross, and you're just in it for the ride, okay, I gotcha. Mm-hmm. But like, I think because we're both artists, <laughs> <laughs> we 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 both looking for a little more in our horror, <laughs> a little bit. In, in le genre de horror. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, we just kind of think to ourselves, what's this? What What are they saying yeah. when when Frankie G is throwing Shawnee Smith onto the pile of hypodermic needles? Right. What, what are we saying about America? Yeah. No, <laughs> definitely acts more of the horror that I watch. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you see it in the reactions of Hereditary that we talked about yeah. before. People are like, this is not horror. Horror should be like this. It's like, well, then no, you're wrong. because You <laughs> don't understand horror. It's like, this yeah. is wonderfully horrific. Yeah. This is a. This is a different kind of mindfuck yeah, here. It was a film, honestly. I yeah. mean, it was. It, I mean, they were already shortlisting some of the actors and performances for Oscar contention. Yeah. Um, really? Yes. Yeah. That's good. Um, but like, uh, I mean, those other films, like um, other ones that you see, and I don't want to just keep picking on Eli Roth, although he doesn't care what we got to say. No, we don't. Um, but like, uh, uh, I will say, I'm very excited to see his kids' movie coming out. <laughs> I'm serious, you know, because I think when people do like these wicked shifts like yes, that, yes. all of a sudden they do a kids film. You're like, yeah. okay, <laughs> like like Robert Rodriguez. I love Spy Kids. I thought oh that was a God, great movie. Are you serious? And then what's the other one? Scorsese's kid flick. Scorsese uh, did. Oh, he did Hugo. Hugo. Yes. I yes. That. Yeah. I mean, anyways, I'm curious because it's. A, <laughs> I mean, I'm like, okay, if Eli Roth is scary. You know, he lives in that world. Yeah. What is it gonna be? I mean, it could still suck just because that's Jack Black doesn't mean shit. I thought, oh, that's that's that that's, movie. That's, the, the the house with the clock in the wall. Yeah, Eli Roth is Eli doing Roth. that one. Yep. He got Kate Blanchett. He's got Kate Blanchett Son and Jack Black. Well, yeah. it's Kate Blanchett doesn't do garbage. So no, it's she doesn't. Gonna be good. So she, yeah, he's he's that's his first. It's that his is first nuts. venture into a family film. First venture into gothic horror and first venture into something else. Oh my know? god, that's gonna be nuts. I'm curious. I'm curious too now because <laughs> once you said Eli Roth is doing a kids film, <gasps> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't want to think about what that could look like. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah. Sorry, I threw you off. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like if you're gonna go see those types of film, I mean that's what Grindhouse Cinema is. Yeah. I mean, 
Quentin Tarantino did a grindhouse movie. It yeah. was pure exploitation, and it was and it's wonderful. He, he will even say Quentin Tarantino says that um, Death Proof is his worst film. I say fuck you. Yeah. Death Proof was a. Ama- I thought I really liked it. Yeah. I was like three badass women taking on this crazy dude who just got done killing four women, and they're using the same tools against him that they were he was using against these other gals. Yeah. I'm like, it's such an awesome like, it, and I think that's. Uh, one of the saving graces of a lot of exploitation films is that you do see, like, you know, is the concept of the heroine. I mean, to a degree, they're, they're actually a little feminist. Yeah. Like, you know, where the woman, um, you know, where, where women step up and they find that strength within themselves to survive. Like, um, even, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Love it. It's my, it's my second favorite. Spoiler alert. Um, at the very end, like, what is it? Like, if you haven't seen it, you deserve this spoiler. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. History. That was one of those movies that you, you saw it and you're like, oh, my God, this is vulgar. And then you rewatch it and you're like, holy shit, he's making a statement. Um, and there's no blood in the entire movie. Not, not in the there's entire no movie. There's no blood. There's not a single, no blood. And that's the thing. Every time I mention it, they're like, what's your favorite horror movies? I'm like, Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, those are just so violent. I'm like, no, they're, but they're, they're, they're not. There's no blood in the entire well, film. Well, they're, they are violent, but I mean, you're, they're violent. They're not gory. No gory. There's no yeah, gore. It's implied. Yeah. Like when he when he hangs that one gal up on the meat hook, mm-hmm. you don't see it. I mean, you're or like when he hits the guy in the, in head, the head in the with hallway. The but the thing is, his legs yes. just start. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can't twitching. even twitching yeah, and yeah, just, just starts shaking. Uh, like, uh, it really is. I mean, it really is. It's re- well crafted. Yeah. But at the very end of Te- Texas Chainsaw Massacre, this one girl she breaks out of the house. The crazy guy's running after her. He's physically stabbing her as she's still running across the running across the yard and she mm-hmm. makes it to the road and she runs up to this pickup truck that slows down she gets into the pickup truck and he's still running after it yeah. and she takes off in that pickup truck and she survives yeah. and you're like damn bitch look at you yeah. what did Gloria Steinem do <laughs> <laughs> it's like I want like listen I want a TED talk with that gal with okay that gal. it's like her and ladies <laughs> but yeah, I mean that that there is that concept. I mean, it does start off misogynistic as sort of an excuse to put like um a pretty face in danger. But they rise to the occasion and mm-hmm. they survive. And that's I mean that's also a tenet of gothic horror. Yeah. Um you yeah. know that you see like you know the you know the, the delicate woman who through all, you know, uh, who breaks through yeah. and you know makes it to the end. Yeah, I think um I think there there have been some uh, interesting attempts in, in in horror to like fuck with that to like fuck with that very idea of, yeah. like, of like switching you know throwing that kind of, that idea of the the the, the, the demure woman who yeah. needs help from a man yeah they flip that sometimes it's worked amazingly mm-hmm. and other times it it backfires but you can appreciate it as a film person yeah. I'd say like <laughs> like like the, my example is uh Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Oh, Nightmare, wait, number, I'm sorry, number oh, 2. Number 2. Night, no, Nightmare on oh. Elm Street 2, who don't know it. No, By the no. way, real quick, shout out to Nightmare on Elm Street number 1 yeah, of because course. what happened Johnny Depp is in that movie. Yes, he he is. gets turned into tomato soup. Yes, he does. But Heather Langenkamp at the very end she's like, "Okay, here's my plan." And I'm like, "You get it, Wes Craven. You <laughs> yeah, make a no, strong woman we can all look up to." She's like, <laughs> and she sets the booby trap Oh yeah, she's got everything going on, and then she's like, "All right, here we go." And then she falls asleep, and she kicks his ass by herself. By herself, yes, Heather Langenkamp, you get him. But then, and then in two, (laughs) Wes Craven decided to step away from the film, and they did another. Had another director, yes, but this time it was um, 
a, a film where it was a, a dude in the position yes. of being the damsel. Yeah. And <laughs> very outright, like explicit homosexual undertones that this was a, a young man who was coming to terms with his identity mm-hmm. and and what that would be. Yeah. What that would look like. He was like, what is it? He was sort of a host for Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Like, yeah, like Freddy and would like, possess When he would body. fall asleep, Freddy would come out and, and he like, would like. <laughs> and it was just, but there was like all the killings were very, so many undertones. And, yeah. and as you, as I look back, I'm like, wow, this is really like it. Gay. This is really gay, but it's like, <laughs> but it was really pushing an agenda that, yeah. that nobody was like, questioning and no everyone's just like this is just a bad nightmare on the elm street movie it's like but is it like yeah it's saying some interesting things i don't know how successful it was at doing it but <laughs> but as I, I can appreciate it as i look back at the attempts to do that but the one that i've seen recently <clears throat> that where it was it was a franchise that they tried to, that they re- not tried to they reinvented um and i thought successfully uh where in the original it was the strong male but in the the update it was a strong female which you didn't see coming if you say was, night of the living dead no which was okay. evil dead oh really the evil dead remakes spoiler alert um <gasps> if you're a fan of evil dead like evil dead you know it's the typical cabin in the woods that's you yeah. know everyone's going to go party in the woods and then hey you find the book of book of the dead the, and yeah. everyone turns it to evil spirits and zombies <laughs> and demons um wonderful films wonderful series but they did an updated version where it was a very similar story group of kids going into a cabin they find the book everything's very similar and as you're watching the film you automatically go to oh this good looking dude is going to be that's ash yeah and then as the story unfolds you're like holy shit it's the chick who's ash and like she becomes the badass and she becomes the one who you know shoves the the chainsaw on her hand hand, and it's like everything it's just like this is fucking genius. And that was where, cause right now they, like, like, cause you know, in the horror nerd circle, like people are really upset. Cause, uh, it was, it was supposed to be Bruce Campbell. Yeah. It's and, to be the guy. and Bruce Campbell has retired. He's yeah. retired the character, um, which is a big deal to us horror nerds. Cause that's a good series, good mm-hmm. franchise, but he's still staying on to do like voice work for video games, I think. But they were talking about, can evil dead continue and we all forget that this badass version could totally continue the franchise with this strong ass kick-ass woman yeah. as the ash character yeah i don't know i just, i mean i still i am i'm i'm very very down for empowered women uh, <laughs> as you should be <laughs> it's like we all should be um but like you know we we but the evil dead came out there was evil dead 2 then there was like army of darkness and i was like why don't we just let that go yeah. And like, just not, not touch it. I like You that. know, because I remember like Night of the Living Dead. Did you watch out. Ash vs. Evil Dead, the show? No, I did not. I loved it. That was oh. great. It's well done. It's well done. <laughs> yeah. Talk about your grand, you know. Oh, uh, hell yeah. Because it was gory. But, um, what was it? What was I thinking? Oh, Night of the Living Dead. So there was the original Night of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. which in itself was kind of like exploitative because oh, yeah. you see people eating innards and all this other stuff. It's like, so it, was, it was so, but yeah, it makes a statement. So good. And like the main, uh, the main hero is like, um, the actor who I completely forgot his name too. We're bad at names. We're, We're bad, bad at names. I'm terrible at names. But yeah, an African-American gentleman yeah. is the hero of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't spoil how it ends. But then they did like a remake of it. And uh, <laughs> it's so important. It, it is. It, honestly. And also, by the way, Night of the Living Dead. Did you know that it was preserved by the Library of Congress? I did. Yes. Yeah. So horror has validity has place, when yeah. it has a statement to make. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But uh, but yeah, um, when they, they they remade it like in the early nineties or late eighties, oh, yeah. like that. Sam, uh, was no, it Sam Raimi? No, it wasn't Sam Raimi. Tom Savini. Oh it, yeah, who's he, a makeup artist, not yeah. a director. Yeah. I'm if you sure. know your Quentin Tarantino films, he was Sex Machine and From Dusk Till Dawn. That, See, the guy who had the gun dick. Oh, he was someone else though. And he he's done a few. He's acted yeah. here and there, but okay. he's known as uh, he did the makeup for. Night of the Living Dead and all that. Yeah, he does a lot of practical effects stuff. Anyway, so yes, he did the the remake of The Night of the Living Dead, and they switched it where uh, Barbara was the hero. And, Mm -hmm. um, oh, good grief, he played Candyman. He was the actor. Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, anyway, so he's in the movie, too. He's doing something now. Yeah, but he's, he's, he's doing very, very well. But anyway, the actor who played Candyman was in, in the remake of The Night of the Living Dead. He is not the hero in that one. I mean, he's, he's, That's right. he's one of the heroes. That's right. And then it was, it was, they made it Barbara. And I was like, well, hold on a second. They were making a statement with the first one. Why right would now. you, this kind of, I mean, listen, I like down with Heather Langenkamp. I'm, I want, I want to be in that. I want to be in the car with those death proof ladies. I'm like, well, but for that one, I was like, Night of the Living Dead made a statement. And by switching yeah. the protagonist, it could have been anybody. It mm-hmm. could have been, um, it could have been the guy, the, the brother with the glasses. It could have been anybody else. And it, it, it would have taken away from the original statement that the film was making. Yeah. So it was just, it's, if it's still, if it still says the same thing or if it still has that same sort of like, um, if it still makes the statement or makes mm-hmm. a statement, mm-hmm. then I'm all for it. But, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, but if it doesn't, it sort of feels kind of like, it feels a little exploitative. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. Totally. But, uh, Guignol. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, we see a lot of the style of it in those 80s flicks that we like. Nightmare oh, for Because we see them in the splatterpunk. Like, this, that's, uh, yes! that's the genre of splatterpunk. That's the term. That's the term. Splatterpunk, where the, everything's kind of. The section of the VHS store that you would go into, but you would not rent. No. Lest, lest you be terrorized. No. Yeah. But there's some really cool stuff. Like, there are people doing really rad Guignol work still. Uh, I have some friends in Minneapolis. Uh, I think they're called Raw Meat Productions. They do some theater Ooh. stuff. They have a horror festival every year. Yeah. Um, and then there's another friend in LA who has a small company called, uh, I think it's called the Grand, the Grand Guignolers or the Mini Grand Guignolers. Yeah. And she does like very traditional throwback stuff um, in the style of it. And I think she might incorporate food as well into some of like, yeah. I think. Um, oh, Sweeney Todd. There we go. Sweeney Todd. There's another. There's another. Very Guignol. Yeah. A very Guignol story. Yeah. Gothic horror. But very, yeah, very, very Guignol. Very, um, those practical effects. Yeah. Stuff like that on stage would be brilliant to see. Yeah. It's just um, playing. Isn't Sweeney Todd over at uh, the Phoenix Theater right now? I think it is at her burger right now. Okay. Or it's in, at least in a couple weeks. I'm curious to see that production. Did I actually think it. If it didn't premiere last week, it's it's going to premiere this week because I got a notice, I got an email about it, and so like, oh, they're starting. Shows, oh, okay. I think tomorrow. I gotta see if I can get tickets. How yeah. much they are? <laughs> I want to see it. That'd be that'd be really cool. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? I had a point about Grand uh, Guignol. Now. You have friends who are doing. Oh, because people are just starting to rethink how to present the work. Uh, like for instance, well, because kind of at the heart of a lot of Guignol stories as well it's not only like exploitative like we're going to show the shit that 
that's happening in the city, but there's also underlying moral, like a moral story. And that kind of, that's kind of there in horror as well sometimes, right? It's like a passion play. I mean, you're teaching through kind of like, you're teaching about the life of Christ through the crucifixion. Exactly. There's tenants. Like there, I remember, I just, and this was just a story. I never saw it. I didn't see any clips from it, but I remember uh, some, I think actually I saw one of the prop pieces that they used. This is when I was at Delarte, that they had a night of Guignol performances. This was before I was a student there. And uh, original performances and there was one where it was uh, two two dudes in it, and it was supposed to be a hookup. Like the scenario was, two guys meet at a bar. Oh. One guy brings the guy home. Yeah. They're gonna hook up, and it actually turns into this whole torture. Oh scene. yes! And like I was like, this is so fucking real. <laughs> yes, that's so Craigslist killer, isn't <laughs> know, it? Right? You're like, oh. So it's like when it when it can hit a nerve like that is really interesting. Like right now, I'm. <sighs> So we've talked a lot about like me itching to do work and like, yeah. and, and I've, I've been wanting to do some Guignol work, something, I mean, to play with it. Cause I've never played in the genre. I've just yeah. studied it and, yeah. and, and like, you know, we've met with Carpa stuff and talking about stories that we want to hit. Like, I just feel there's a Guignol piece in there with a border security guard, like a border oh, patrol yeah. and an immigrant kind of oh, yeah. trade. Like, oh, there's like, something, you know, that, that like our culture is such a wellspring oh of God. horror. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, not just like political stuff or like social stuff, like, you know, like the, the border patrol. But I mean, like, what is it? Um, I think you guys uh, had the podcast about... Um, like it wasn't it was like satan or black magic i think it, yeah. was, it was oh like, my god yeah uh, brujeria that was yeah. the one and like oh that story you talked about like you know oh uh the, the your friend sandy and her her aunt who had like the black candles mm-hmm. and the inverted saints and all that other stuff that that kept quiet yeah that happened <laughs> that happened in yeah. my family too right oh my god when people pass away you learn all the secrets but yeah like mm-hmm. um there was someone in our family who was like curse casting black magic spells against us mm-hmm. and it was like what the heck i bought you a present on your birthday <laughs> i mean like i walked your dog and this is the payback i get so there's all these different types of things um, you know, like fucking Mexican legends or even petty stuff. shit, like even yeah. petty shit. We were talking about like stuff that our families like, yes, pe- getting petty little arguments. Yeah. about. Like there's a way that, I, that, that it's comes like, in. you know, you look like your father. I don't like this anymore. <laughs> cut, cut, cut your face. I'm like, ah, it's just, yeah, just terrible things of that nature, man. <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But what would be, what would be, what would be, what are some cool modern guignol type stories? I've got one. Oh my gosh. Because uh, uh, you guys did a podcast once on body image. And oh my God. Like, yeah, of course. Right. Isn't that yeah. whole thing just, yeah. um, I mean like, but I went a different route. I, I just imagined a story about like a woman and she goes to a pumper. Thanks okay. for that term. Yeah. That was the crazy, but anyway, <laughs> it's also in pose. So, you know, there's different influences, but, um, but yeah, just a woman goes to her local pumper yeah. and says, I want to look more voluptuous. I want to look like a Kardashian. And mm. she's like, all right, go ahead and sit down. And they pump her full of the stuff. And she's like, no, no, I need more. I need yeah. fuller lips and like, you know, like, and, and, uh, higher brow and like fuller breasts. And they keep pumping her and pumping her and pumping her. And then finally she's just so swollen up like yeah. a, like a, like a, like a, like a, like a Venus artifact. And, <laughs> And, and she just looks at herself in the mirror. Her lips are like, you know, clouding her vision and her and her breasts are like so voluminous. They don't fit in anything. And her buttocks and her hips are just so wide. They're kind of almost hanging off. And she says, I'm beautiful. Pop. The whole thing rips her skin off. Open. And I'm like, 
that. And there's about to be a splash. It's zone. a splash. You know? Splash zone in the and, audience. And the audience so. says, like, you know, you may get wet. Like <laughs> the apron of plastic to keep themselves from getting the really fake silicone on their bodies. But I really want to do a Guignol piece. Yes. I, and I think, honestly, Carp, I think, is a great environment to do it. It's sketch themed anyway. <laughs> it's sketch themed, but it's like, just that, that's not the family friendly night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, you're hot, you're cold, you're hot, you're cold. You're hot, the cold. It, oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, but yeah, that, that, I think it'd be really, really cool. I think so too. But what are some other like modern day? I mean, I, there's so much going on with border issues. There's so much violence happening in, I mean, there's so many opportunities, I think for role reversals. I think a lot of what our problem is in this country is we're not the racists. We're starting to see, um, there's, there's a lot of, you know, historical trauma that's going on with them. But I think that there's not an under a fundamental human understanding of, 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 people of color and disenfranchised communities yeah. and i think there has to be a i think of a, a, a role reversal is always powerful yeah and i and, and you know i think we see this kind of stuff in a lot of horror but that's, I, I tend to gravitate towards like vignette horror coincidentally with guignol it, like i really love the tales from the crypt series i like how those are opportunities those are great i like um i love and sometimes you'll get smirks but people from the hood get it i love tales from the hood the really? Tales from the Hood series, oh, I yeah. think, are very... St- it was an anthology film. Yeah, anthology but, film yes. and very clear social commentary. Yeah. And a lot of role reversal kind of yeah. things happening and very tragic, yeah. Guignol-esque kind of outcome. And there was historically relevant stuff in there, Absolutely. too. When, like, um, what is it? The second story, I think it was, when I think it's Corbin Burnson, he's haunted by the spirits mm. of slaves. Yeah. And they come to life through, like, voodoo dolls or, yeah, like, that, just kind of puppet mm-hmm, dolls. Mm-hmm. And they start attacking him. And I'm like... Oh, it, this is, this is historical. At first it's historical Mm -hmm. and it's making a statement. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, the poster was ridiculous and I thought the ending was, the ending was kind of what, but that last story when you see like a gangster and I don't know, he, he's in some sort of weird third dimension or something like that. Mm And, uh, he's, he basically, he says, as he's in the throes of everything, I don't give a fuck. You know, that whole concept of like, there's nothing I care about. There's nothing I love. There's nothing that I believe in. Mm -hmm. And it ultimately leads him to hell. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can think of at least a handful of individuals when I was growing up, um, took the other road, uh, the gangster rap was their gospel mm-hmm. and they surrendered everything that they were and everything they could have been for like gang violence. Yeah. And I was like, that speaks to me. It is something I have seen. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, a wealth of knowledge to get from stuff like that. And yeah. And God knows we're no strangers to gang violence. So not, like, no, not at all. But yeah, there's all these different, yeah, there's all these, these there's so many opportunities for mm-hmm. us to explore, uh, things in our culture, mm-hmm. uh, cultural society and also society at large mm-hmm. that would lend themselves to like really, you know, just ugh, yeah. grotesque scenes. But do you think, as I'm like, the wheels are turning in my head right now and I have a fundraiser meeting on, Thursday. <laughs> Do you think uh, that a theater of the Grand Guignol could exist here in Phoenix? I think it could, um, but it would sort of have to be in that same grindhouse theme where people would go for shock and for entertainment. Yeah. If you try to make a statement, because for whatever reason nowadays, um, we're kind of tired of peace, love, and understanding. Because if you try to make a statement, people are going to be like, oh, quit preaching. Just show us some bloody boobs and then move on to the next mm-hmm. sketch. That's sort of like we, we're in a, a really curious um, age of closed mindedness. Yeah. So and I think that if you were going to do something in y'all, it would 
maybe would just have to be face value. I mean, I think I think there is a way when it's art when it's consciously and creatively done. There's a way to insert a quote unquote moral or message without it feeling like. Because I think where you're getting at, at least how I feel, is the here's the here's the sweet tie up at the end, and here's this hopeful ending. Where I don't think, you know, and a lot of that too is is um, Danielle you know, didn't have a, a ha- it didn't always have a, it, a happy ending. Though. It never does. I don't I don't think they always do. And yeah. I and like and I think this is my own kind of independent thing, like doing theater for youth, um, ha- and having conversations with other uh, playwrights of color, specifically my friend Cece up in L.A. No, he's in, he's from LA. He lives in Detroit right now. But he, this whole idea, like, because certain companies and certain artists are like, well, where's the hope? There has to be an uplifting effect. Where I agree with that because yeah. we are talking to youth. But I also feel that we need to create space for a reality check that yeah. not everything ends hopeful for everyone. Correct. And how do we talk about that still? And how do we yeah. display that in a way that is healthy and we can talk about it? And and yeah. I mean, in, in horror. I think experiencing this kind of stuff is cathartic. I think it's yeah. it's it's a release sometimes for people just like, you know, like I'll have my like my sister, you know, who was on one of the episodes, she will give me a ton of shit for watching horror. Why do you do this? Why do you, you know, wait, everything's so bad right now. Yeah. That's my release. Your release yeah. is jumping out of planes and doing, you know, skydiving. <laughs> Which I, is its own horror, I don't think you that's think? <laughs> horrifying and stupid. Where me, I enjoy watching something, you know, that's gonna impact me in that way. We've all got our own roller coasters. Right. Yeah. Um and uh, I don't know. I'm just curious because because I wonder what what theater um, what theater can look like. Mm-hmm. Um, what a theater means, uh, you know, because I no longer feel that theater is this typical three to five season or three to five show kind of season, uh, which feels very Eurocentric and feels like what all, you know, well, the, the other... interpretation of theater has like, has drastically changed. It right. seems. I mean, it's much more interactive, sure. um, yeah. you know, and, and you, you try to, you try to create the experience and, and, you know, you don't just go to the show. No. There's like an exhibition in the lobby yeah. and all this other stuff that goes along with it. So I think I'm curious to know like how, cause like it, cause it feels like I come from a very, like it's a very vast like difference. Oh, it's it like is. theater for youth and communities and then horror. How does that exist in the same yeah. plane? Can that exist in the same season yeah. all the time? Like, well, I don't know if it can be all the time just cause you kind of need a break, but you did a show. Uh, it was horror for youth. It was. Yeah. And it was, uh, what was it called again? It's called feathers and teeth. Oh yeah. And they never identify what the hell was in that pot, did they? <laughs> no, it was <laughs> like, up to the imagination. Yeah, <laughs> like my imagination, boo. But yeah, I mean, uh, what is it? You you took and uh, for those of you who don't remember, there is a uh, Ricky Ariza present directed a show at ASU's, oh, God. Uh, Black Box Theater, called Feathers and Teeth. That's it right. is a play that was produced on Broadway, wasn't it? No, it was produced in Chicago. I think okay. it was at the Guthrie, maybe. Yeah, but it's a horror play. It's it's, it's a it, comedy. It's a, but it's yeah, it's a horror comedy, I guess. I would call but, it. Yeah. yeah but, but, and like other companies presented as a straight up horror comedy, but you kind of took it into this sort of like the costuming seemed like it was done from like a Disney show. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> like, wow. like the stepmother's all in pink and she looks like Daphne from Scooby Doo. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and the dad's got that buttoned up sort of like suspenders type, mm-hmm. uh, you know, bow tie number and, uh, the young woman. But you, you brought that together. I thought very successfully. I was like, okay. So, you know, you're trying to create, um, a youthful, uh, depiction or like a, a you're trying to create the, aesthetic of youth theater 
and you're applying it to this um, stage play, which dealt with some very uh, difficult concepts for like young people to deal with. Um, you know, like who's my stepmother is an alien. Uh, kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and playing yeah. with race in there too. Oh yeah. That was cause weird. like, cause the girl, the lead isn't, the lead isn't written. Uh, it doesn't say what, yeah. what her race is, but all the productions prior to the yeah. one I did, it was, it was a very like Midwest white family. Yeah. So I thought, well, well, what if we played with, you know, I had this actually, it just happened because the actress who came in and read yeah. blew my socks off yeah. and she had a skill that was something we could use in the show and she was young and she was in the, she, she looked yeah. young. It just worked, but she, you know, she was biracial and I was yeah. like, this could take it to a whole new level of yeah. not only is the relationship she's having, she not only lost her mother, who's a black woman, but now she's being replaced by this white woman who there's gotta be a clear tension there yeah. to what she knows as a motherly figure. And yeah. what does that say? Yeah. And, and it was this interesting layer that I thought I could bring to the play that, yeah. that I think, that I think is, has horror elements in it, right? Yeah. I think there's just, you know... That gentle uh, undertone of incest, I thought, was a little excessive. I was Weird. like, I was like, why is this here? Where incest? Where at? <laughs> there's a moment when, like, the daughter tries to kiss the dad. That was, that was a, that was a, com- that was the most complicated moment in the entire Of course, because I still don't know it's what that was script. about. It's in the script. I believe you. It was, just, was like, just like, why would she do that? I, I mean, mean, the only thing that the, what I what we ultimately walked away with and I ultimately uh, where the intentions behind it was her um, trying to connect with the father in a father-daughter in a youthful way, yeah. which is a kiss on the on the lips, but for some reason the dad reacted in a very violent way because uh, the reflection, because she just looked so much like her mother. It was a very complicated moment, yeah. And I'm still not completely satisfied with it. It was a question that I'd love to talk to the playwright with. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe the, the because the daughter feels like she's being pushed away from the father by yeah. the stepmother, yeah. that she's trying to like reestablish a connection with him. Yeah. And by the way, because she looks so much like her mother, yeah. she takes on that role and it becomes romantic. For a moment, for a moment and maybe it's sort of like an act of strange desperation yeah. from her part or yeah. something like that yeah. which i guess but still it was like but you know what's funny about that though, mm-hmm. that you mentioned it is i uh so i had to bring a couple different ideas to the table to do for uh for my final project yeah and that was one and then there was another play called cuddles which is out of england uh-huh. uh, which is like a vampire story and oh, then <laughs> and then actually two vampire stories one was called cuddles and the other one was let the right one in uh, oh yes yeah, yes a stage that, version of it yeah that was done in scotland they're actually stray cats doing it was it scotland i think it's scotland uh because the film i think i was i want to say it was it was in a, a it was like norwegian yes the, there we go the, the film was norwegian but the uh the the, the original the, show the broad no no there was a the, the show that was the theater piece came after the film okay that was done in, in scotland okay um Stray Cat's doing it this season, actually, oh, really? so I'm very curious to see what he does with it. Yeah. But uh, those have themes in it that I was like, fuck. Like, there are just some some themes yeah. of, 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 of molestation, of incest, of... Um, yeah, because like, it's the little girl, she's like the vampire. Yeah, so there's in that one, there's, there's yeah, there's the molestation, or the pedophilia with the man that she's with. There's, yeah. Uh, the mo- idea that this little girl has been turned into a monster as a result of actions taken yeah, against her. Yeah, and then Cuddles is just another completely fucked up piece. Between, uh, it's a, it's a, a relationship between two sisters. One is kept in like the basement and the other sister like makes a living and you see her life. But the one in the basement is like a teenage girl yeah. who 
is. But you are, Blanche. You are. <laughs> she, uh, she's. You got her some kind of drug, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Kinda. But there's. But she talks in like Harry Potter quotes and stuff because all really? she because she's been in this because her only yeah her only thing is her sister and Harry Potter and she feeds on blood and. It's just really fucked up. The, end, the, oh end, the end is really twisted that I was like, I don't know if this is going into the realm that I want to go into right now. <laughs> I can deal with this weird kiss moment in this yeah. show be, to kind of wrap around this. Cause I was really looking at how to like produce a horror piece. Yeah. And I learned a lot yeah. doing that show, how fucking hard it is. And that's why yeah. honestly I haven't attacked it out of school because it's so technically yeah. hard and that's the, the technical support this is and and i proposed a process which i feel that the show needs to be like technically crafted before yeah. we bring actors in yeah because you we have to look at it like creating a, a haunted yeah. house we have to look at it the way you see work of oh uh, um what's the name of the damn theater company in new york who's doing uh the really super immersive Hamlet piece or, no or or Scottish play piece. Oh God, Macbeth. Uh, not yeah. No. Okay, so the the company. I don't know the company. Sorry. Oh my God. Your theater. So it's I your know fault everyone's looking one. at me and fucking hating me right now. <laughs> um. Oh my God, I'm the worst person ever. Yeah. But yeah, it's like creating environments and creating yeah. the world that the actors play within. Yeah. Rather than the other way around, because theater is always the opposite. Yeah, and um, I will say that sort of points out the differences between like punch drunk. Punch Drunk is the name of the company. Ah! That's, that's what I had to go. Whew. All right, that's your daily double. That's my daily double, Punch Drunk. <laughs> I'll take theater companies for 1000 brilliant. And that really kind of points out, though, the difference between like theater and film because you talk about the difficulty of staging horror in theater, but like in film... That's the first thing everybody does. Right. I remember one of the first short films that um, one of the in one of my film classes uh, we were producing just short films. Mine was a uh, was a, a knockdown drag out Scrabble match um, <laughs> set to the Kill Bill soundtrack. But one nice. gal, one gal, she did um, she she did like a kidnapping piece, like where she was uh, basically depicting. Um, the uh the 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 envelope full of evidence okay. given to the family of you know uh if you don't give us the money here's what's going to happen to mm-hmm. your precious child and um they were I had all these different things it was it was so simple it was just like a photograph with like a bloody pair of pliers and like uh and and one tooth Mm. Uh, and it was just so simplistic. It was just photographs of these little things that were put out, mm-hmm. and it really worked and The funny thing was um to uh, it, the funny thing was that this the 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 person who produced the short film um she uh left those photographs on the scanner <gasps> that she oh, used shit. and so and that scanner belonged to the school oh shit and so when the next person <laughs> went in to use the scanner they were like what the hell oh is all God. this? That's awesome. And that turned into a story. And I was like, oh, you just if if you could just I mean, imagine if that was realistic. That's awesome. And that's a guignol right there. That's been awesome. like, whose pictures are these? What what's happened to this girl? I mean, that's it's so cool. That's right. And that girl got in she didn't get in trouble because we didn't think her out, but like, you know, she was everybody was like, whoever did this. This is a lesson, you know, because everyone thought it was very real. Good. That's yeah. a good artist right there. Right? right. That's fucking dope. But I mean, but it was, it was like four by six photographs that were scanned into a computer. That's the power of image. Yeah. It's the power of images, the power of, you know, piling yeah. that together. Yeah. And horror typically is, um, 
for for film, it is really one of the biggest money makers. You know, like because yeah, if, if, if I could either do my heady drama piece about Amelia Earhart or this movie about four kids who go into the woods to find the chupacabra. Right. <laughs> right. Guess which one of those projects I was on? <laughs> yeah, it was the first movie I ever edited, and it was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Chupacabra territory on uh, on video on demand. Now. Is it on Netflix? It it's on an Netflix. It's on Netflix. It wasn't big enough to get that kind of deal, but it is on video on demand. So if you go to VOD, you can find it. Ooh, Google like Chupacabra territory. Chupacabra territory. I did the people. I did the feature and the trailer. There the trailer, go. by the way, if you want to take a look at it, will scare the shit out of you. There you go. Yeah. There you go, people. Well, awesome. Another wonderful Halloween episode. I think this might be our first Halloween episode, maybe. Like leading to the Halloween. It's for the first time of the Halloween season. Yes. Oh, the witching season. The witching season for reals. We're going to have to come up with some good ones. I got some ones in mind that we can, some episodes in mind for the rest of uh, these two months. (laughs) We've got. On, we've either we've got to do the haunted pizza hut yeah we do have to go to the haunted pizza <laughs> or hut. the san carlos hotel we have to san carlos this is the season for it, man this is it yeah well thank you again for joining us joining me oh, <laughs> i was gonna season. say like are you telling the audience like <laughs> your day like what is it your support of pbs <laughs> <laughs> can only be made possible by do we give them an we could we tote bag what do we do <laughs> Well, that's all the time that we have for this week's episode, but be sure to tune in next time around. And remember... Oh, I go first? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how it goes. (laughs) See? You're just absorbing Ernie's energy. You're absorbing Ernie's energy. (laughs) Yes. No. I got to be a lot sassier if I got to do that. (laughs) You you, you bring the sass. I'm like, I don't think I do. I don't bring enough. I'll put it that way. (laughs) Like... I promise by the next episode, I will sass the hell <laughs> I will be Adam Rippon with the sass. Oh, dang. That's sassy. <laughs> yes. All right. Okay. And remember, folks. If you hear the door creak. If you see the lights flicker. If you feel like somebody is there. It's not your imagination. Run, perras. It's the cuckoo. <laughs>